When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. Today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is brought to you by Edwards & Co., Edwards & Co. is a Kiwi-owned and operated family business. Edwards & Co. sell a range of baby gear, including the popular Oscar MX and Otto strollers. They are also the exclusive distributors of the award-winning Snooze Pod here in New Zealand. The Snooze Pod is a bedside bassinet, allowing you to safely sleep with your baby within arm's reach. Edwards & Co. have expanded their nursery range with the launch of the Snooze Cot Scandi Collection. The Snooze Cot is a cot, toddler bed and junior bed all-in-one. Suitable from newborn to 10 years old. The collection includes a changing unit and beautiful bedding. The snooze cot comes in five colours and is made from natural beech wood, no MDF or veneer in sight. It's designed to last and designed with love. A huge thank you to Edwards & Co for coming on board and sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I really appreciate your support and I would love for you guys to go and check Edwards & Co out either on Instagram or through their website which I will link in the show notes. We are also running an awesome giveaway with Edwards & Co as part of this episode's sponsorship, so head to the Kiwi Birth Tales Instagram to check that out. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Sharon Casey about her three pregnancies and one birth story. Sharon takes us through her three really unfortunate miscarriages, and she's super brave in sharing her journey with us, and I think that if you're going through something similar, you will resonate or get something out of Sharon's story that I don't think you'd get sort of many other places. So I'm really appreciative of Sharon for coming on the podcast and being brave and sharing her journey with us because yeah it wouldn't have been an easy one to talk about but she does have a really beautiful story to share about her son Tyson and her journey with her partner Bryce and how they have bonded as a family unit through everything that they've been through so yeah it's a really lovely episode obviously lots of heartbreak and really tough things to talk about so if this doesn't sound like the episode for you then yeah just a little bit of a precursor to what to expect but Sharon does a beautiful job of sharing their story super grateful for her for coming on the podcast and I will jump into it. Hi Sharon thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi it's so nice to be here. Awesome would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Uh, well, my name's Sharon Casey. I am a mother of a small dog. I'm also a mother of uh, Tyson Lloyd, who is my almost two and a half year old son. And I'm also a mother to three little bubbers that didn't quite make it over to this side. Uh, and I am a wife to Bryce. So 
I got a lot of dudes in my life <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> you do, you do indeed. Awesome. And do you want to talk us through what the journey to pregnancy was like for you guys? Yeah, so Bryce and I had decided to start trying to get pregnant and it had never occurred to me that it was going to be a hard journey. Weirdly, I look back at it now and I I was more concerned about my job and how uh, if I'd be able to take maternity leave, like would I be able to have more than a month off and all that sort of stuff. I was concerned about all the wrong things. I I never for a second thought that I should be concerned about the fact that I might not be able to get pregnant. And so we started trying to get pregnant and I can't remember how how long it took. I think maybe like three months and we got pregnant for the first time. I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy shit, I'm going to have a baby. This is like mind blowing. And we went to have a scan at six weeks. And I remember going in and I remember looking at Bryce and that face that I'd never seen him do before. And it was that face of pure joy of we were about to see our baby. We're just like, oh my God, like this yeah. is crazy. And they put the jelly on my tummy and it's cold, just like they say in the movies. And I was really excited. And then the lady is like, oh, um, I think I'm going to have to do an internal scan because I can't see anything. And I was like, oh, Okay. And so I got up and I went to go for a wee and I could hear Bryce. uh, I could hear Bryce in the other room. He's like, oh, is that like a normal thing? And she's like, yeah. And the lady's being kind of like really clinical. And Mm. then we come back and she like real, because I've got quite a deep uterus. I've learned through this this journey. (laughs) So I've got like every pregnancy had to have the wand for quite a while. And uh, so she did that. And then she just like took it out and she goes, oh, um, with like, in, in hindsight, I know that they do it all the time, but I think that a little more empathy would have been nice. But she was like, oh, I'm not seeing a pregnancy of six weeks here. And I was like, oh, crazy. I was like, how far along am I then? Because I thought I must be mm-hmm. even further. She said, oh, no, I'm not seeing a pregnancy at all. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense because I've had the blood tests and like I'm definitely pregnant. And she was like, oh, no, um, you're, you're having a miscarriage. And just just like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I was like, I was yeah. like what do you mean? like yeah and I just remember walking out and being so ashamed and embarrassed and just oh and I just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible because I felt yeah. like such a fraud and I just remember Bryce going to pay for the scan and the lady said oh no no you don't have to pay for that we don't we don't make you pay for that when something like that happens and he's like oh, okay and my sister Tia had texted me and she's like what happened how did it go uh I was like oh it didn't work it's not there and she's like what do you mean and I was so embarrassed and we then had to like tell all of our family that we had told that it hadn't worked Mm. and had to tell my boss who didn't even know I was pregnant that it hadn't worked and I needed to take time off. And then we had some time off and people didn't really know why we had time off and I was so embarrassed because we didn't know anybody that that had happened to before. We were like, what? Like that all of our friends are pregnant right now. They got pregnant straight away. Yeah, so we were the last people in our group to get pregnant and we were just like, oh, fuck, it hasn't worked. Like, it's so embarrassing. And it wasn't until I was standing in the kitchen one day and this woman that I worked with was like, oh, are you okay? And I said, oh, and I just started crying and I told her. And that's when I found out that having a miscarriage was so much more common than I thought it was because I didn't realize I knew so many people that had had one. And then we got pregnant again a couple of months after that and it didn't work again. And then 
we got pregnant for a third time and this time seemed like it was going to work and we were like oh my god it's it's gonna happen it's good we're, we're gonna have a baby this time and we went for our scan and i've got a video of it and it, we've we got uh we got having our scan and you hear the heartbeat for the first time i never heard a baby's heartbeat before and i heard his heartbeat and bryce is like yay go sharky yeah. because he sounded like he looked like a shark on the screen <laughs> it's really weird we'd called him sharky and bryce is like yeah go sharky amazing and at this point i'd learned how what to look for in the scan because i yeah. hate how they take so long to tell you things and i knew that his heart rate wasn't as high as what it should have been right and i was only nine weeks pregnant at this point i didn't know he was a boy at that point and uh i looked at it and I was like, oh, Bryce, like, stop recording. So I waited for Bryce to stop recording. And then she was like, oh, your uh, his heartbeat's not uh, there. Sorry, their heartbeat's not high enough. And we were like, what does that mean? And they're like, well, come back in a couple of days and we'll see if it improves, which it highly likely won't, or you'll be having a miscarriage. And I was like, cool. So we went home for two or three days and basically just waited and hoped and then we went back and his heartbeat had gone. So we basically just went home for his heart to stop, I guess. And we went home and his heartbeat was gone. And I was like, I cannot physically go through a third miscarriage. I just, I can't yeah. mentally deal with that. And so we went to the doctor and they managed to get us in for a DNC where you get it surgically done. And that was an amazing process. Like, for support wise, like every person that we dealt with at the North Shore Hospital were so empathetic and lovely. Like even um, the doctor, one of the nurses that was doing like the pre thing was like, and I'll never forget it. She said, what do you want me to refer to your baby as? Do you want me to refer to the baby as a fetus, as a baby, as a gender or a name? And I was like, um, just baby's fine. But the fact that she even asked was yeah. a completely different that we'd had because she just had so much empathy and then we went in to go for the actual dnc and we met amar alabid who did my um dnc and then he came in afterwards and he said hi my name is amar alabid and i'm going to be doing your uh i did your dnc and i want you to know that i found out that you have a septum in your uterus and i can fix it for you and i was like what and he and then he explained to me what a septum was which basically it's a piece of tissue if you imagine your uterus as a circle it's like a piece of tissue that hangs down in the circle uh that was like two and a half millimeters long and it uh basically stopped the blood circulation going around in a mm. perfect circle so like one side of my uterus would be like yeah you're pregnant and then the other side would be like ah it's time to get your period and then that would shed the baby and everything right. yeah and so he was like, uh, I can fix it for you because I believe that's what's calling, causing your miscarriages. And wow. I was like, wow, I've spent so much money going to a fertility doctor who keeps telling me it's just bad luck. Mm. And you, and I've asked so many times to have my uterus scanned and they've said to me not to worry about it. And actually when we went back for the second scan with Sharky, she was like, I reckon you need to get your septum checked. Oh. Uh, I reckon you get your uterus checked. It looks like you have a septum. So I had heard that before, yeah. but then when I'd gone to the doctor, they were like, "No, nah, no, nah, that's you know." And so then, a few months later, I could even got it private or waited and have a mar do it. So I waited to have a mar to have a mar do it, and he removed my septum, and he was amazing. And then we went for the post 
op checkup and that was when because they can do DNA testing to see what caused the miscarriage and um, there was no reason for it which pointed another finger at having a septum and they were also able to genetically test it and found out that he was a boy yeah so that's when we found out that Sharky was a boy and that made that miscarriage so real because it was like we know his gender we like we heard his heartbeat so that one to us was like they were all bad but that one was just the worst because we knew so much about him and so we had I had the second thing and then removed and everything went great and as I was leaving Amar said to me hey I'm an obstetrician and if you want an obstetrician then you should call me and I'll I'll be your OB when you get pregnant because I reckon you'll get pregnant now and I know you better than anybody else Mm. and I was like laughed and then he was one of the first people I told they got pregnant Mm. I found a cell phone number online like through his clinic and I texted (laughs) him I said hey Ma it's Sharon Casey that blah 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 blah. just wanted to know that I'm pregnant and I really want you to be my obstetrician how do I do that and then he was our obstetrician all through Tyson so I kind of feel like Sharky's reason for being and that whole experience was to lead us to Amar who yeah. would bring us Tyson. Yeah. Um, then I got pregnant with Tyson and uh, everything seemed to be going great. I had morning sickness, but not too bad, just felt kind of hungover and I'd spew and I brush my teeth and yeah. I'd panic and cry and ring Bryce if I didn't throw up. Like I think I was the one person in the world that was like excited to have morning sickness mm-hmm. and my boobs hurt I was so happy and because all these things meant that you know my hormones were strong and it was happening and I was like oh yeah let's go like yeah I threw up I threw up I had to text Bryce I'm like I threw up three times this morning my boobs are so sore and then I'd call the next day like my boobs aren't sore today I'm having a miscarriage like this is happening and I haven't been sick I've brushed my teeth three times now and I still haven't been sick and I'd freak out and then uh it just kept everything just kept happening as it was supposed to happen and then we uh I got a midwife uh for that worked with Amar whose name was Denise Johnson and oh my god she was just uh I wouldn't have been able to do it without Denise she was so good and anytime I had a scan pretty much every two weeks because I was so scared and I she never never hesitated to give me a form to go get a scan and she would, if she was in the area, she would drop by and come to my house and do the thing so I could hear Tyson's heartbeat. Yeah. And she was so supportive. And then at one point she said, you need to, you need to accept that this baby is coming and you need to believe in this baby and nothing's going to go wrong. You need to just believe in the baby. And then I was like, okay, I will. And then I found out I had um, placenta previa, which is when your uh, placenta is over your cervix. So you can't uh, go into labor. So I had to have a C-section two weeks before, or at 38 weeks. Yeah. Um, but it just meant like from 20 weeks, no travel, couldn't be away from hospital, yeah. no exercise, no sex, no nothing. Um, but that was pretty much the only stress of my pregnancy apart from being scared. Um, but it was a pretty good pregnancy apart from that. And then Tyson came and we're <laughs> in history. Yeah. yeah, awesome. And did you do any like antenatal classes or anything like that before your C-section? Yeah, so... We did the parent centre one and I made like a group of friends there and it was so good because even now like you can talk to your friends when they've had a baby but if they're not in the trenches with you at the same time, it's like they've forgotten. Yeah. (laughs) So 
they so it was really good having those people and like especially uh sarah who was somebody i met her son was a week younger than tyson or even a couple of days younger than tyson i think yeah. so her and i would message at like three in the morning and be yeah. like oh my god tyson's doing this and she'd be like oh my god and he's doing that too and so it was <laughs> it was like having somebody there and if it wasn't for antenatal i would never have met those girls and they they're the sort of girls that i would have been friends with if i'd met them in non-baby circumstance as well yeah um but I found that, uh, like some of the stuff in antenatal, I wish I'd learned more about. Like I wish I'd learned more about winding and things like that, because uh, I found winding really hard. Um, yeah. But the friends that I made in it were just the make or break of that first three months, because it was such an amazing support system to be able to like message each other. Yeah. And even now, when our kids are all like two, and some of them have had their second babies or pregnant. Um, we can still be like, oh my God, Tyson's having this tantrum and what have you guys done for this? And it's been amazing support network. So I, I recommend antenatal like a hundred percent for the making friends side of things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's probably the one, um, takeaway that the majority get is, is that you make a friend group and it really is like, they are the only ones who understand what you're going through because I honestly believe you forget what it's like. Otherwise you probably wouldn't do it again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Oh, 100%. And it's like, uh, we had an amazing antenatal teacher. Her name was Kerry, and she was great because I'd been warned by a lot of people that you go in and they, and the people that take them kind of push their own agendas and they're like, yeah. you should only breastfeed and do not have a C-section and blah, blah, blah. Whereas Kerry was really open and supportive and I knew pretty early on I was going to have to have a, a C-section because of my placenta previa and so she was really good at giving extra education around uh, C-sections and also um, like getting rid of the stigma around people judging other people for the way they give birth and things like that. Because I had a lot of people that would, um, they'd be like, oh, too posh to push. And especially because of my job, people were like, oh, is that a TV thing? You have a C-section and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, like I literally have no choice and I'm going to do whatever my baby here and I think no matter which way you give birth if you give birth like vaginally or if you give birth via c-section they're both equally not a fun time like it's like getting hit by like it's like getting hit by a car if you get hit by a car and you're awake the whole time it hurts like hell or you get hit by a car and you're out and then you wake up later and you're like oh my god this hurts yeah. so much yeah it's just one hit after and one hurts during yeah and yeah I, I don't think and it makes me so angry when i hear or see people getting judged for the way they gave birth because sure. you can't control how you you just can't control that yeah some people that have elective c-sections for their mental health because they can't physically do it or there's always a yeah of you know a reason everybody's personal choice how they do things so yeah yeah no 100% agree with that and I think um super important to remember that everybody gets to make their own decisions right if they want to have an elective c-section then that's sort of part yeah. of your business and it doesn't matter to you <laughs> I definitely did not know until I actually physically had one because of my placenta previa how gnarly a c-section was and every person I know that's had one now I'm like you're amazing because they are a scare like I had to be completely sedated for mine uh in the end because I couldn't get the thing the pain the numbing into my spine I guess so I had to be completely out on GA 
And that took me ages to get over yeah. because I never got to have that moment of seeing my baby for the first time yeah. or, you know, like I didn't get to see my husband see the yeah. baby for the first time. Yeah. We, we completely didn't get that moment. My husband didn't get to see the baby come out of me. He had to be removed from the room. And like, we're so grateful to Amar because he let Bryce come back in because he'd been on our journey, yeah. come in and cut the cord and stuff. And if he hadn't been on our journey, I'd, that doesn't usually happen. Yeah. And the only reason he did that was because he knew how hard we'd fought to have Tyson. Yeah. And just the recovery, like I thought that it would be like, stitch me up next day, let's go. And it was a long six weeks of, <laughs> and I had no idea what I was in for, yeah. like of the recovery side of things. So anyone that thinks a C-section <laughs> is the easy way out has never had a C-section. Yeah. I can assure you they are not easy. And then once you have healed You've then got to rebuild, like even when you have a normal like pregnancy, you still got to rebuild your body afterwards. But then you've got to rebuild your core that's been had multiple layers sliced yeah. through, like a lasagna. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Well, it really is crazy. And did you do anything sort of with Amar in preparation for your birth? So I know there's sort of lots of different uh, resources out there that you can learn about antenatal expressing and different things like that. So were you doing anything like that before your C-section? No, I literally didn't do anything. (laughs) I didn't do anything. I just turned up on time. If I I was on, I did like the, I did the things that were going to make me feel good during that first few, few months. And I went and got my nails done and I had one last one. I had like a day because I knew, when I was going in to have Tyson. So I had a, a Sharon day when I went and did all the things that I probably wasn't going to get to do for a long time. So I went and got my eyebrows done and I got my hair done and my nails done and I got a wax and I was like, let's go. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think that was probably my only prep. I did some vanity prep yeah. to have one last day because I didn't know when the next time it would be that I'd get to do any of those things. But yeah, I didn't do any of, because I've had friends that like spray stuff on their vagina and all sorts <laughs> yeah. of things. And I'm like, like but yeah I didn't do any of that apart from I put like an oil on my tummy every day but that was about it yeah (laughs) awesome cool and do you want to take us through your birth experience then so sort of going into the hospital for your c-section and then I know you mentioned um you ended up needing general anesthetic so do you want to take us through that yeah so I had uh I I had the best sleep the night before um which is bizarre (laughs) And then we got up and we drove to the drove to the hospital and we were the first on the schedule that day and uh, so we went straight down and then I was difficult because they couldn't get the the thing in my back. It was a it was a bit of a it was a bit of a there was a few things that didn't quite go according to plan. They couldn't get that into my back and then they couldn't get the the nurse doing the catheter had a bit of a hard time. So Amar came in in the end and put it in for me and. Uh, Bryce got, it was quite stressful because Bryce got taken out of the room and they didn't quite explain that he was being taken out of the room. Um, the nurse was kind of, I thought the nurse was bringing Tyson, uh, Bryce over to calm me down because I started freaking out a little bit. And, uh, he was actually getting taken out of the room. So we didn't actually realize that yeah. I was saying goodbye to Bryce at that point. Bryce didn't either. And he's, and, um, and I know that yeah uh midwife and obstetrician afterwards were like that was poorly explained like you need to be more clear um but it wasn't them but if I felt like in that room it was also like Amar knew Amar knew us so well because of our whole journey he wanted it to be perfect and like just silly things like he knew music was really important to us so he told me to bring a playlist and so we know what song Tyson was born to and, and things like that and 
I felt so lucky to have Amar and Denise in the room with me because it, it was like having your parents in there and they really looked after me and in times when I was scared or I felt like something wasn't right I would tell Denise and she would be like hey and she would kind of pull people into line and she she was honestly a superhero like midwives do not get the credit that they deserve yeah. she was absolutely brilliant and I'm forever and like that was the saddest thing is like when you don't get to see that person every yeah. week because she was she's such huge part of our life and for always will be and in the end they had to sedate me which was a wee bit scary uh and then I remember waking up and this was a really hard thing for me to process I remember waking up and I had had it explained to me beforehand uh that because of with placenta previa the c-section has to be so fast because they have to cut through your placenta so it's like and Amar had warned me when I was going to be awake that it was going to be like okay and we had to do it quick because they get the baby out so they don't like you know nothing bad happens and uh so he did it and he'd explained to me that if worst case scenario was I'd have to get a hysterectomy while I was in there or I might have to get a balloon to stop the bleeding in my uterus which was the most or it could just go seamlessly which it did I was terrified of them having to put the balloon in because I'd had the balloon in uh, post-op for my septum removal and it was the most painful thing. And I didn't have my phone and I remember lying in the hospital counting the seconds for 30 minutes uh, of that balloon taken out. So when I woke up, uh, so they brought Bryce back in so he could do skin to skin and he cut the cord and he got to have that experience. That um, So he at least got to do that stuff. And... When I woke up, the first thing I said was, is there a balloon in there? Is there a balloon in there? And I was like, there's no balloon in there. I was like, there is. You put one in there, didn't you? And he's like, no. And I was like, do I have to take my uterus out? And he's like, no. He's like, everything went perfect. You've got a beautiful baby boy. I was like, do you promise me there's not a balloon in there? And he's like, oh, my God. Like, there's not a balloon in there. And then Bryce walked over with Tyson. And I remember being like, is he cute? <laughs> and Bryce is like, yeah. And I was like, oh, he looks exactly what I thought he'd look like, <laughs> which is the worst thing to say. Like, but I was just so out of it for being yeah, on general. Yeah. I was like, he looks exactly what I thought he'd look like. And then they were like, I was like, can I hold him? And they were like, we might let Bryce <laughs> hold him for now. Because yeah. I was still like quite out of it. And then um, they, so they took us upstairs. And Bryce, uh, Tyson came with me and then, um, they put him on my boob for the first time. So I was still so out of it. Denise pretty much had to put him on my boob for me. But I remember the, like the funniest moment and the, this nurse must have got the wrong room. And she walked in and she's like, Hey, here to talk about smoke, giving up smoking. And I was like, what? I just had a baby. Like I've literally been in this room for five minutes. And she was like, and Denise was like, that, she's like, what are you talking about? Like, she's just come up here. She's just, she's post-op. She's like, oh, she had on her form that she smokes. And she was like, I was like, I don't smoke. I just had a baby. And it was because years ago when I had had my septum thing, you had to tick a box if you'd had a cigarette in the past month or something. Oh. And I had a cigarette while drinking. And so it must have still been on my record that I used to smoke. And I didn't, I obviously did not smoke during my pregnancy or anything like that. I don't smoke now. And, um, it was so funny. She, and Denise was just like, get out. Like, what are you doing? Just so comically funny that 
someone had come in while I was trying to breastfeed for the first time, couldn't even hold my baby because I was like still coming off due to anesthetic and some woman's talking to me about not smoking. I hadn't smoked cigarette. And, um, and I just remember being like, I don't smoke. <laughs> and then, like, um, but then Tyson had, uh, he had some, see, this was all quite hazy yeah. for me because I don't overly remember the first three days because then I was on a lot of morphine and things as well. Um, because I had a bit of a rough season because I bled for a little bit longer and stuff. And uh, so it's a little bit blurry, but I remember bits of it. I remember Tyson was in the skaboo. So Bryce would have to, because I couldn't walk to go and give to breastfeed him and he wasn't allowed to come to me. I just remember Bryce having to, and it was so embarrassing, having to milk me into a spoon yeah. and then put it in a syringe and then go feed it to Tyson. Yeah. And I was like, I have no dignity. My husband is milking me into a spoon. And um, then the next day, obviously, they get you up and uh, they try and get you to yeah. walk for the first time, which was a bizarre experience. And Bryce had to walk me to the bathroom and I had to wee. And it was you like when you wee, if you've had a seizure, you have to hold on to where you've been cut and your hands become your stomach muscles. So you kind of push against your hands, which is the weirdest thing. And um, then I, Bryce had helped me stand up and um, my pad fell out. And then I was like, no, 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 this is so bad. And he's like looking at my pad and I'm like, oh my God. And I couldn't bend down oh, and pick no. it up. There's, and my mum wasn't there, like the only one way that's going to get picked up. Oh my God. And then while he's picking it up, I obviously was still bleeding and had a couple of drops on the floor. And I was like, this is the yeah. worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. And he didn't even like bat an eyelid. It was like no drama to him. He was just like, Held me up with one hand, chucks the pad in the bin, gets a new pad, wipes up the blood like it was like I had spilt food. Yeah. It was so weird. It just wasn't a face at all. But I was like, I have absolutely no yeah. dignity now. My husband has just changed my pad and wiped my birth. Like this is yeah. gross. And then I had to do my first walk around to where Tyson was and that was the first time that I properly remember meeting him and trying to breastfeed him but I was terrible at breastfeeding um so I just went like went around there and met him and I could and then they put him in our room the next night and luckily because I was like get quite bad anxiety they let Bryce sleep on the floor in yeah. my room but all I could think was being left alone with your baby for the first night which must be terrifying yeah. But also when you've had a C-section and you're left with them for the first night and you can't even stand up, like I don't know, the women that have had to do that, I bow down to, especially through all the COVID stuff where oh, nobody's yeah. got someone after they've had birth, I'm just like, wow, you guys are superheroes. Like I, I just could not get through yeah. that. That's just like blows my mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, so I was in hospital. I had – I can't remember exactly, but I know I had a complication with my C-section, so I never ended up going to birth care, and I just stayed in, hosp in hospital for five yeah. days, and then we went home. Yeah, and so and they were amazing in there. We had some awesome nurses that would come in, but definitely by the end of it, I felt like they were like, you guys yeah. can go now, like, just get out. <laughs> we need your yeah. bed. But it was really cool like, to, have that, um, to have that support, and Bryce was allowed to just sleep on the floor every night because I was just, like, too freaked out to be by myself, yeah. and um, my mum would come up and 
her and Bryce would kind of swap spaces. So I was like never really alone and Denise and Amar would pop in and yeah, it was really cool. But I stayed there and then we went home and I think I was a lot happier at home in my own space. It's for sure. Yeah, for sure. And how did you find that experience taking your baby home and and becoming a a mum sort of immediately and and you sort of, yeah, your whole life changes. So how did you find that experience in those first few weeks? First of all, it was kind of like, I kind of, in my mindset was like, okay, this is my job now. So I kind of treated it a bit like a job where I was like, okay, I've got to get this done and that done and I need to get him to sleep here and whatever. Uh, But I also struggled with quite a lot of guilt. I was really, really upset and felt really guilty that I couldn't remember really meeting Tyson for the first time. And I felt ripped off that I didn't get to, I didn't get to have that moment with Bryce. Like when we, when we fought so hard to have Tyson in the first place and to not have that moment, we saw each other, but it was like, out of our control like medically that just couldn't happen and but I just I felt a bit a little bit like oh I didn't get to see his face when he saw our baby for the first time but now I've kind of processed that and I think I also and it's a really common thing that no one told me about and I was really ashamed was I didn't have that moment of that everyone when you're pregnant and I never say this to anyone when people are pregnant and they're like Oh my God. And the moment they put that baby in your arms, you'll forget about everything. And it's the most overwhelming love that you've ever had in your whole life. And oh, it's paralyzing. And I was like, Oh wow, that sounds so intense. I was like really excited about it. I was like, cool, let's do this. And I didn't have it. I was like, why do I not have that? And then I was like, I must have, I was like, I must have postnatal depression. I don't have that thing that everyone's talking about. Like, I don't understand. Like, what's happening? What's wrong with me? Like, I must be. I'm broken. Like, why don't, why don't I have that? Like, do I not love my son? Like I wanted him for so long. Like I know I love him, but why don't I have that Mm. feeling? And maybe like day, like a weekend, Bryce was holding him and I said, Hey, do you have that thing that everyone was telling us about? We have that overwhelming instant love for him. And he's like, yes, why? And, uh, and he's like, looked at me and I was like, I don't have that. And he was like, that's a con, he's like, that's concerning yeah. because he didn't know that it was any yeah, different yeah. anyway. And I was like, what's wrong? I was like, does that mean I have postnatal depression? He's like, I don't know. We'll have to talk to Denise. But he was kind of like, okay, that's weird. Cause he'd never heard of that happening yeah. either. We'd only been told that you get overwhelmed. And so I text my sister and I said, I think, I think I got postnatal depression. And she's like, why? And I said, oh, because I don't have this overwhelming love that everyone was talking about and my sister texts back and she's like ha 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 she's like there's nothing wrong with you she's like nobody tells you this it's so annoying she was like it's moments it's like you know how much you love your parents you know how much you love Bryce you know how much you love your sisters your family but you're not overwhelmingly consumed by it all the time but then there'll be this moment where you're like, oh, my God, I love yeah. you so much. And also, you only met him seven yeah. days ago. Like, of course you love him, but you still need to get to know each other. And I was like, she just tell me what I want to hear. So then I text a couple of other friends that had had babies, and I asked them, and they said the same yeah. thing. And I was like, oh, my God. And as soon as somebody had reassured me and told me that that wasn't a thing and that I needed to get to know Tyson and that 
the love would grow and all that sort of stuff. And then it would be moments where you're just like, oh my God, you've punched me <laughs> yeah. in the heart. And that made me feel so much like instantly I felt like a completely different mom. I was like, oh my God, yay. This is yeah. awesome. Thank God there's nothing wrong with me. But nobody had ever told me that. People yeah. just the whole time I was pregnant was like, you'll be overwhelmed and blah. And I'm, that definitely probably happens for some yeah. people, but for a lot of people it doesn't. And so if it doesn't happen for you, don't freak out about it. And yes, you do have to be wary about postnatal depression and stuff, but that is also like a really common thing that girls go through because we're so, we're so emotive and, and things like that. So you have to get to know someone. Um, and so that was one of our struggles. And then I just sucked at breastfeeding I was terrible at it no matter how hard I tried I feel I felt like the worst breastfeeder that had ever landed on the planet and he'd have really bad wind and I could never get he I think he latched properly maybe three times and so I decided using a nipple shield straight away my sister's like oh chucking nipple shield on I was like sweet so I chucked a nipple shield on and then he needed top-ups as well so I would I just got into this rigmarole of Breastfeeding, 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 going and sitting next to a pump, having yeah. milk sucked out of me. It was like plugged into the wall. So I felt like I was yeah. chained to the wall. And I also had a C-section, so I couldn't leave the house because our house was up a couple of stairs, so I couldn't carry the pram. So I felt like I was in jail where I was chained to the breast pump, chained to the baby, couldn't leave the house. I couldn't even drive mm-hmm. a car because I like had no muscles to push a brake. And... It was really overwhelming and I hated it. And then I started getting, I got mastitis a couple of times. And um, so then someone said to me, they were like, just like stop torch, like stop pumping because it's making you miserable and top them up with formula. And I was like, oh, but everyone's going to judge me if I do that. And they're like, they, I don't know if I'm like yeah, on the podcast, but they were like, fuck everyone else. They're like, fuck everyone else. Mm. Who cares? Is it, And they're like, can you tell me? can you tell me um, if you were breastfed or bottle fed? And I was like, not without asking my mom. Like, I'd have to ask my mom. She's like, exactly. Can you remember if you were loved? And I was like, yeah. And like, exactly. That's all that matters. It matters that you remember that you were loved. It doesn't matter how you were fed as long as you got fed. And so I started doing like a little bit of mixed feeding. And then Tyson was just still inconsolable and he'd have really bad wind and his stomach was like descended and, his poo was really weird. Like sometimes I get up in the middle of the night and I, I've, I found getting up in the middle of the night so lonely. I felt so alone. I felt like I was the only person in the world yeah. that was awake sometimes. And, uh, I like one night I remember he'd done a poo in his sleep. So I changed it, sat back down, another massive poo. And I was like, Fuck. so I like, he may change it again. Sat back down. He, he pooed yeah. three times and in, in like 10 minutes, I was like, what is going on? And then I changed his nappy one day and his nappy was poo, but it, then it was like had blood all through it. I was like, what the, I was like, what is that? Like sort of freaking out. I was like, oh my God, like, oh my God, he's like got cancer or something. Like I was like, oh God, like just your mind goes to the worst place. And we took him to the doctor and they were like, oh, try not, I had to try all these different things. Like, um, and then it kept happening and like, what is it? And then we took, ended up having to take him to hospital because it was, it was the third time at the GP and they weren't sure. And so we went to the doctor, uh, went to the hospital and they're like, look, he, and I was battling with breastfeeding as it was and persevering because I felt like that was what everyone wanted me to do. 
And the doctor was like, um, Tyson's got a dairy allergy. That's what I strongly believe it is. And I think you need to stop breastfeeding because his bowel is so inflamed that if you accidentally ate mm. dairy and something you didn't realize dairy was in, then you will inflame his bowel. And like, it's just too painful for him. And I'm really, and he was really apologetic. He's like, I'm really sorry. Like, I know, you know, a lot of the time you can just cut dairy, but Tyson's allergy is so severe that it's not oh, worth wow. the risk. And I remember starting crying and he was like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, this is the best thing you could have said to me. Like, I don't want to breastfeed anymore. And it was like, I had this like proper reason for why I didn't have to do it anymore. But then I remember going to antenatal and giving him, and as soon as I weaned him and he was on the bottle, Tyson was so much happier. He slept so much better. He he was a joy to look after. He I was ten times happier as a parent. Um, Bryce could do way more, so he got to be um, like do more with Tyson, and they've got like a really strong bond, and it was just amazing for yeah. everybody. Then I went to antenatal, and he was the only one on a bottle. And when I pulled it out. I just remember, it, I felt like, but they didn't, I felt like the yeah. whole room went <laughs> because they were all breastfeeding and I had a nine-week-old baby that was on the bottle. And then my friend Dixie, who was in my class, uh, and she was also like a really good friend before we got pregnant, our husbands worked together because she noticed, I think, that everyone was staring and she was like, oh, Tyson's got a dairy allergy, right? So you have to feed him formula. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, good on you for doing the best thing for your baby. And then everyone was like, yeah, good on And it wasn't. And then the other girls I'd made friends in the class were like, yeah, good on you. And they're like, oh, what sort of bottle is that? It looks like a great bottle. And like they kind of normalized it straight away. And I was like, oh, my God, thank God for these girls. Because I, it's, I don't think everyone was judging me, but I think it was just kind of a like, oh, that's weird. I don't know. It was really, I felt, I was probably overthinking it more than anyone yeah. else was. But yeah, dairy allergy kids is a bloody yeah, journey. Yeah. I think um, <laughs> a lot of people will probably resonate with that story about the bottle. We were the same. I had a C-section and Jai, my son, was completely formula fed at nine weeks. And to me, that felt totally normal and using a bottle and whatever, it, it just wasn't a thing because we had always done it. But I think for mums who only breastfeed, when they see you feeding with a bottle, they're like, what the heck? <laughs> um, even if they don't know the reason yeah. behind it. So, yeah, I think a lot of people will resonate with that, and I certainly do. Yeah, because well, it's just a, a – and, and I, it always came back to that person that said that to me, and they're like, kids yeah. don't remember what how they were fed. They remember how they're loved. And if you're feeding your baby and you're doing the best thing for them, that's all that matters. Like, I've just – you know, you watch friends that torture yeah. themselves, and they're so miserable. Like, I remember going to brunch with a friend recently, and – she had this thing and it, it's an actual condition that when you when you let down when your boob lets down then you just yeah. feel despair and you feel it's really depressed and it's an actual thing and she thinks that that's what she had and I remember going to coffee with or brunch with her and she I was like how do you feel and she'd been breastfeeding for months and I was like how do you feel I was like when you breastfeed like how she's like honestly it makes me miserable and I was like well, why are you doing this to yourself I was like just like so you, you've like you've got to be in a good space for your baby to be in a good space, and you can't worry about what other people's opinions are. You've got to do what's right for your yeah. family, and if giving them a bottle is what's right for your family, then do what is best for you. Like 
if it means that you mix feed them so that you can have a break because you know it's if people want to go out and then they've got to worry about how many drinks they've had because they've got to pump and dump and yeah. oh god blah blah but they don't want people to know that they've got a bottle of formula and blah, it's this big mind thing and you're like just don't be so hard on yourself you've got to be kind to yourself because it's the hardest yeah. job in the world and not one person is doing yeah. it perfectly no one doing it perfectly nobody's baby is perfect even though social media and stuff can make it look like people's yeah. kids are perfect not one walking human being no matter what age they are newborn or 80 years yeah. old is perfect everyone is a little bit annoying in some way and you just got to remember that when you see especially on social yeah, media sure. when you see you know kids in their, in their perfect clothes and their beautiful swaddles and always smiling and never doing anything annoying that kid you're seeing on instagram is being annoying at some yeah. point of the day so don't fall for the bull <laughs> yeah 100 <laughs> percent agree with that awesome and just before we close i would um love for you to give sort of any advice or yeah words of wisdom or anything that you can to someone who might be out there going through something similar to what you had so whether they've just been for a scan and found out that they've unfortunately had a miscarriage or they've had recurrent miscarriages and they don't know the reason why or their GPs aren't being supportive sort of just anything that you would say to someone on that journey um yeah to help them at all I think that you, if it's in terms of a like fertility journey is be kind to yourself every step of the way and never not ask a question because you're worried it's stupid or that the doctor knows best or if there's something that just bothers you, just keep pushing for it until they answer the question. And if you, for example, I did think that my uterus needed to be scanned and got told it was just bad luck and I didn't push it. And in my mind, I was like, no, I really know something's not right here. And if I'd done that, I wouldn't have, well, theoretically, um, I wouldn't, I, I would have known after that sure. first miscarriage yeah. or second miscarriage what was wrong. I wouldn't have had to have yeah. three. Um, but then, fuck, everything kind of happens yeah. for a reason, I guess, because then, we're leading us to Amar, which led us to Tyson, which is the way I've, I've got to think that for some reason these things happened and I don't know, give them a reason for being. But the biggest thing I think is be kind to yourself, ask questions. And if you've got a friend going through it is it's really hard. So you have to kind of be sensitive to it and sensitive to the things that you say, like, and give them time yeah. to grieve. It's not something that they yeah. ever get over. Like, you don't you, you don't ever get over it. You just yeah. learn to live with it, which is weird. Yeah, like I'll still have nights when I'll cry about um, our son before Tyson, and or I'll get upset or whatever. And I hate I hate when I answer the question. People are like, oh, is this your only child? Like if I'm at the park, and I'm like, I always I hate I hate answering that question because I want to say he's and I used to always say oh he's the only one that made it to the other side but then that always made other sure. people uncomfortable it's really weird <laughs> but yeah it's it's not something that you ever yeah. get over but you do yeah. live, live yeah. with it absolutely well thank you. yeah but in terms of like actual actual motherhood advice is self-care mm -hmm. is so yeah. important and so many people as mothers even as fathers put themselves last and 
you need to give yourself a break. If you need to go to the gym for an hour, if you need to go to brunch without having to take your baby so you can actually have a conversation with your friends or you need to have a weekend away or whatever, make sure you do those things because you're going to be more beneficial to your family if you look after yourself and give yourself some space than if you don't. And you've gone into this thing Mm 50-50 with another person, like unless – you are one of the walking superheroes that is a single parent, which I <laughs> bow down so much to. But if you're in a, a situation where there's two of you being the parents, you're in a 50-50 split. So they have got to do just as much as you're doing. So don't give ever, anyone a free ride to the point that it's detrimental to you. Like you've both got to look after each other and look after yourselves. And that way it's like better for everybody yeah for sure i think that is awesome advice thank you and thank you so much for coming on the podcast sharon and sharing your journey with us i know i had heaps of messages from people really wanting to have you on the podcast so i know there'll be a lot of people out there really appreciative of you sharing so thank you oh that's all right that's like as i was saying i feel like sometimes i go i go through phases where i don't want to talk about it because i find like i'll get lots of messages and i find it really overwhelming and everyone's got really sad stories and but then I think that we need to talk about it because then if that's one less couple that felt as ashamed and alone as Bryce and I felt then it's worth me like having a not uncomfortable but it's worth me having to go back to a dark place to if it it helps somebody else not feel ashamed and alone because you're definitely not Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. Another massive thank you to Sharon for coming on the episode and sharing her journey with us. And a huge thank you to Edwards & Co for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Keep an eye out for a really awesome giveaway that will be coming out on the Kiwi Birth Tales Instagram. Head over there and have a look. I'd love to hear your feedback on the episode. If you'd like to send me an email or a direct message on Instagram, leave a comment on Sharon's episode post or yeah, whatever way you want to get in touch, I would love to hear it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.